Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 85. Hi, Principal Matters listeners. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I want to talk about tips for managing demands, working with difficult people, and maintaining positive morale. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out my posts at williamdparker.com, where you'll see other blog posts, podcasts, and resources for school leaders. Also, you can check out my books, Principal Matters or Messaging Matters there or at amazon.com. You know, when I was a boy, I loved to walk the garden where my grandparents grew summer vegetables. My granddad had a really interesting way of planting tomatoes. He would dig a deep hole, scatter a small handful of fertilizer in the bottom of it, and then place a tomato plant in while gathering the rich soil around with his fingers to press against the plant till it was secure. And then he'd water the plant and place a bucket over it. And he would alternate times when the plants were covered or open until they were well-established and ready to start blossoming. You know, creating a strong school environment involves a lot of care and attention too. And in addition to being instructional leaders, school leaders have to manage so many different demands. Often cultivating the soil of our schools requires managing Demands, dealing with difficult conversations, or encouraging positive school culture. In this past week, I hosted a webinar for principals over chapters six through eight of my book, Principal Matters, The Motivation, Courage, Action, and Teamwork Needed for School Leaders. And in that conversation, I gave some tips and thoughts that you might find helpful in the challenges that you face in school leadership. So if you have time to listen to today's podcast version of that webinar, let me encourage you to listen in for some points that I share on three parts. Part one, managing demands. Part two, dealing with difficult people. And part three, showing appreciation and maintaining morale. I hope that you enjoy this edited version of that webinar. And at the end of it, I'm going to come back around with some closing comments. Good morning, COSA members. Welcome to our third series in this webinar series and for educational leaders as we talk about school leadership and the book, Principal Matters, The Motivation, Action, Courage, and Teamwork Needed for School Leaders. We're going to be talking through chapters six through eight this week, which are managing your school day, how to maintain your composure through difficult conversations, and then also how do you uh, celebrate and appreciate the people that you're working with as a way to, to maintain uh, strong morale. And so that's a lot to talk about in one uh, quick session this morning. But I just want to make sure, first of all, just to say thank you for joining this conversation. My very first year as a school administrator was as an assistant principal in a large suburban school south of Tulsa uh, with 1,400 kids. And we had three assistant principals at that time and one site principal. And my responsibilities involved a lot of things that the assistant principal responsibilities do in schools that large. It was um, a lot of discipline, uh, teacher evaluations and observations, supervision, uh, as well as um, I was responsible to help with the state accreditation report that very first year of my work as a site principal or a site assistant principal. And in the first part of our conversation this week, I just want to tell you quickly my story because I want to just remind you that in figuring out better ways to manage our schools, I think the first important lesson for us to remember is as much as I like to watch superhero movies, 
you are not a superhero and neither am I. And I think part of the fallacy that we embrace in school leadership is we step from the classroom into the office thinking that we're going to be able to perform uh, incredible feats of service for our school, that we're going to be that principal that we always wish that we had as a teacher. And I don't want to discourage that that initiative because we need to serve our students and teachers in ways that we always wanted to be served ourselves. But there's a limit on the amount of service that you can do as one person. And so I remember that uh, as I walked through my school that first year, I would always carry a yellow uh, notepad with me and a pen. And every time someone would stop to talk to me about a situation, I would take notes. And if they had a suggestion, a criticism, an idea, or they had some request, I would write that down so that I could follow up with them later to make sure that all needs were being met. And as, as great as that sounds and as ambitious as that was, what I soon discovered was how overwhelmed I was. Because, you know, as a school administrator, you can never walk through your building without being stopped every time you walk with questions and concerns and requests for help and resources. And I soon found myself spending more time after school and before school trying to follow up on these requests than I did doing work during school. And of course, that's not uncommon in the work that we do. But what I found was I wasn't necessarily working smart. And so I want to just start off today's conversation with you by encouraging some takeaways that are some practical things on on school management. Later in upcoming chapters, we're going to talk about something that I call key responsibility areas. And I'm going to go very specific into how to assign specific roles to your team members. But in today's conversation, I just want to start off with first some ideas of ways that you can not try to be the superhero. And that first starts with giving up your savior complex. It takes a team to lead a school. And if you think as one person that you're going to be able to manage all the responsibilities that are necessary for schools to stay safe and orderly, for there to be a learning environment, for everyone to be on the same page, to be marching in the same direction, for morale to be positive, for the school culture to be great, for student outcomes to be, to be effective, you can't do that by yourself. And any school leader who steps into a, to a situation where they're a part of a team or they're a solo principal who thinks that they're going to save a school by themselves is only setting themselves up for burnout because you cannot serve schools alone. It requires others. And so as soon as you recognize that solving problems requires teamwork, it requires collaboration, it requires leaning and learning from one another, then the better you're going to be able to serve others because they'll see you as a part of the solution, not the solution. And you'll begin to see yourself as a part of the solution, not the solution either. So number one, Give up a savior complex. Don't think that you're going to be that superhero who's going to walk in and save the day. Number two, I call this share follow-up. Now, let me give you some practical uh, tips on this. I began to realize uh, after my very first year of school admin that I had to have a different approach when I was encountering situations throughout the day that required problem solving. And that first one was to stop for just a moment and ask the person that I was speaking to to help me come up with a solution. Because often they could find the solution in that conversation with me that they can then go and execute themselves. Instead of handing off the problem to me to find a solution for, we could brainstorm ways to find that with each other. The second thing I discovered is this. Sometimes people aren't necessarily looking for solutions so much as they are looking for an opportunity to talk about it. And so just the simple practice of brainstorming together or collaborating or discussing things with a principal or with with another teammate would give them the opportunity for a sounding board. And so sometimes people aren't looking for a solution or a superhero. They're just looking for a sounding board. And a third component of number two is this. 
often when we would finish a conversation, if it was something that I realized this is going to require some follow-up conversation, I would put the ball back in their court and ask them to follow up with me with an email. Now, here's what I discovered. Half of the conversations that I was having that before would require me to write down something and I would be following up with them were eliminated by those kinds of scenarios where I was problem solving with a team member or helping find a solution with them or coaching them on how to resolve an issue. And if they did have to write something down for me to follow up later, then that was their responsibility. And if it was that important to them, they would. And if it wasn't that important to them, they wouldn't. And so what I began to realize is that by sharing follow-up, sharing problem solving, uh, I began to find that it takes a team approach to these things and it wasn't completely up to me any longer. The third tip I want to give on managing demands is number three, which is teach others to find solutions. Now, Todd Whitaker calls this shift the monkey. And if you've never heard Todd Whitaker speak before, he has a great analogy, which is imagine you're sitting in your office when someone walks in with a fantastic idea. And it may require your response by doing a lot of work to follow up with them on this idea. For instance, you might have a teacher that walks in and says, hey, I have this idea for this amazing assembly that we could hold with our students because I have this idea that I want them to understand and learn. At that moment, it's like a little monkey has jumped out and it's landed on your shoulders and it's running around and it's now your responsibility to tame the monkey or come up with a solution or figure out how to get it back in its cage, etc. But Todd Whitaker would say, instead brainstorm all the solutions with that person and then put the monkey back on their shoulder. I'll give you a, for instance, a couple of years ago or a few years ago, I had a a great uh, teacher and coach come into my office with an idea of having a celebration in the spring for all of the athletes who were being scholarship to area universities or colleges. And he wanted to be able to hold a huge assembly to be able to recognize them as well as students that were signing up for military service too. And so it was a great idea. And so I brainstormed with him the ways that he could schedule that, the way that he could check the calendar, the way that he could send out invitations, the way that he could put a program together, the way that he could set up that event. And then I shifted the monkey back to him and told him, if this is something that you really want to accomplish, you have my approval, go for it. Now, by shifting that monkey, that meant that all of those responsibilities that I already had to do, which included teacher observations and supervision and keeping the school safe and making sure that learning outcomes were being achieved, were still on my plate without me adding a whole nother area of responsibilities to my plate. It didn't mean I didn't help him. It just meant that I shifted who was going to be helping find that solution. And number four is this. If you're trying to manage demands of school, learn to set timers for more time-consuming tasks. And probably the number one thing that I hear from principals across the state and even in the nation when I travel is how overwhelming emails can be. And so I'll use that as an example, but also reports can be the same way, especially this month for those of you in Oklahoma that are filling, doing accreditation reports. And what I have found for those time-consuming mundane tasks that sometimes feel like they're just draining you of all your energy, I have found it very helpful if I set timers. So maybe that's a 30-minute timer or a 45-minute timer, whatever it is. If you have a block of time that you can set a timer for, work against the clock because that helps you to empty things out without distractions, without pulling up social media or without reading something deeply that you don't have time to read or without making a phone call that you don't have time to do right now. So set a timer for those more time-consuming tasks. And I find that if you give yourself a box, you'll often fill it with that time that you've given yourself uh, for those moments. So that's part one of this three-part conversation today. Tips on managing demands. Part two is this. As a principal, how do you manage those difficulties 
with an entire team. And before I move on, I just want to give you an opportunity because some of you guys have been in school leadership for a long time, or some of you guys are stepping into uh, school leadership for the first time this year, but some of you also have some fantastic suggestions. And this week, instead of asking you to uh, log in through your mic, I'm just going to ask you if you have an opportunity to look under the more part of your menu, there's a place where you can group chat. And in that group chat function, I want to ask you to respond to this question. What's another tip or suggestion that you have for managing demands? What's another tip or suggestion that you have for managing demands? I want to continue this conversation from managing demands to dealing with the more difficult people within our work. And I know that part of school leadership means that often it's your responsibility to be the one that manages crisis moments or sometimes the more difficult people who walk into your building. And even though we have people on the front line that help us in our office areas, so often we're the ones that are called in when that person can't be calmed or there's a situation that's very difficult. You will never be able to avoid conversations with difficult people if you're a part of education. It comes with the territory. And I can still remember a specific day in my school where I had a very angry mother standing in my office who was shaking her finger and yelling at me so loudly that spit was coming out of her mouth. And when you find yourself in those moments where someone has just kind of lost it, it's very easy to wonder what's my response to this situation to to try to de-escalate this so that we can find an answer together. And so with that in mind, I just want to share some some specific tips that I like to share with administrators or educators on dealing with difficult people. And the first one is this. I'm going to share six. The first one is this. Number one, make sure you're not the difficult one. Now, I I want to rest there for just a minute because here's, here's what I have noticed. Over the years, often I can escalate a very difficult situation if I try to match the anger of the person with whom I'm speaking. And so when someone's angry or they're trying to push buttons, the last thing you can do is lose control of you. Because if you lose control of you, you've lost control of the situation. And I wish that I could tell you that I've never lost control of situations, but I have. And usually when I have, it's because I've lost control of me. I've allowed someone to push a button or I've allowed someone to say something that makes me respond in a way that's just as escalated as theirs. So always check yourself first. And one way that I believe that you can do this is by your posture. And so I've often encouraged uh, school leaders when they're stepping into a scenario where there's someone that's very angry, remain very open. If you're sitting at a table, leave your hands open as you're speaking. Don't clench your fist or cross your arms. If you are trying to listen to someone who's being very difficult to understand, then pull out a piece of paper or a notepad and begin to write down their thoughts so that you're being able to put in writing the things that you're talking about so you can slow the pace of the conversation and respond accordingly. And then take time to make sure that you are reflecting back with that person by asking them clarifying questions or rephrasing back what you hear them saying. All of those are great ways to make sure that you're not being the difficult one, but it also leads into part number two, which is seek to understand before being understood. That's a Stephen Covey quote, and I think it's so wise because often what we try to do is come up with a quick solution to a person who may be upset, but instead of coming up to a a quick solution for someone who may be upset, first try to understand the scenario. Try to make sure that you have a good context for what's happening. So often, I will tell someone, can you replay for me the scenario that you're talking about? Because I want to be able to see the video in my head. That's just a quick way of helping them to slow down and and capture the moment for you so that you can understand and better respond to that difficult scenario. 
And in addition to that, I believe that being firm and friendly at the same time is an important part of, of leadership. And so it doesn't mean that you're a pushover, but it doesn't mean that you have to be impolite either. And so I think there's a, there's a good mix of being firm and friendly. And I talk about an example in the book of, a, of an admin friend of mine who had yelled at a boy one day and the mother called upset that she had yelled at his son. And instead of pretending like she hadn't, she said, yes, I did. And here was the scenario. I apologize for losing my temper with your son, but here's what he was doing that, that precipitated me yelling. And it ended up with the mother asking the principal to coach her on parenting because she said, my son never does what I tell him to do. How can you help me better understand him? And so being firm, but friendly and honest at the same time, I think is an important part of dealing with difficult conversations. I think another part too is making sure that if things are getting very tense, that your posture remains open and that you can use humor when it's appropriate. And so I think it's important that you continue to smile in difficult situations, that if there is something about the situation that can lend itself to humor, that it's okay to laugh even in difficult situations together and to share your own faults in those moments too, where you've made mistakes that are similar to the one that perhaps you're confronting in someone. And so being able to change your posture, being able to use humor where it's appropriate helps disarm people and deescalate some intense situations. And finally, I would say in difficult conversations that sometimes you just simply have to agree to disagree. You have to be willing to say to someone, listen, I know that we've not been able to reach a solution that both of us are happy about, but I'm going to maintain the policies of our school and the expectations that we've, that we've discussed. And so we're just going to have to agree to disagree about the situation because here's the thing. No matter how the scenario ends, it's not a matter of who's right and wrong. It's a matter of being able to respectfully reach a conclusion. Because I have discovered that you don't just typically end those conversations in your office. You're going to see those people again that you're having conversations with at ball games or in the hallways or in the community. And so it's important that if you are disagreeing, that you do so with respect. And then finally, the last point I would give is this. I think it's very important that you bring parties to the table when, when there's more than just two people that are involved in a conflict. And so if a parent or a teacher has a concern about a student, for instance, you really should not be talking about that scenario in depth without bringing that person into the conversation. And so often I think that people spin their wheels in difficult conversations because they don't have everybody at the table. And so they've triangulated conflicts by placing someone outside of that circle who needs to be in it. And so I think it's important often to bring people to the table when you can so that you can make sure that everyone has had a part in that conversation as well. Now, here's another question that I think would be great for you guys to chat about. If you have additional tips on ways of dealing with difficult people, I would love to learn those from you as well. And so if you want to add a comment to the comment section uh, in the webinar notes, feel free to go to the more option and you can do so there. But what are some other ways you have learned to, to deal with difficult people in scenarios like this? Because I know that you could add to that list as well. Now, the third part of our conversation this week is, is going to change gears, which is this. When you're trying to figure out how to manage demands around your school, when you're dealing with very difficult conversations and situations, I think it's important that especially in the environments that we have in education today, that you're showing appreciation for your team members. Just this week, I was in a conversation with a principal who was dealing with a very difficult personnel situation in her school. And in that scenario, there's a lot of time that has to be invested in making sure that 
the situation safe, making sure that they've responded with confidentiality, making sure that they've responded with legal protection. And those scenarios take a lot of time. And so often what happens, I think, is that when we're dealing with very difficult situations, we get consumed with them and we forget that our family is much bigger than that one scenario or that one student or that one teacher. And I think it's important that we maintain a practice of consistently appreciating those around us so that all the people on our team have a sense that what they're doing is important. And so this week, I just want to encourage you, because as I've talked to teachers around my state also about the difficulties with state funding and teacher morale feeling threatened, often I feel like principals especially feel like it's difficult to maintain that momentum of positivity. And so I want to just give you some quick scenarios on uh, ways that you can show appreciation. Now, one of these I talked about last week, and there's quick eight quick ones. The first one is kudos emails. And I, I mentioned this last week. If you're doing a walkthrough through your school, even if it's just a short time that you're being able to get out of your office and throughout the building, take time when you finish that to write a quick summary of the great things that you've seen happening among your staff and teachers and students and share it out in a quick email. Just call it kudos. That way, team members know what's happening among their members because often teachers and principals work in isolation. So it's important that we share the great things that we're seeing among others. Another tip that I would share is uh, what I call video shares. And that's where you take the opportunity to capture on your iPhone or whatever you're carrying with you that captures video your smartphone, some of the great things that you see happening. And there are just some easy ways to take that and, and take that video and link it back to a YouTube share or link it back to an iMovie share or link it back to a Movie Maker share if you're a Microsoft user and to just add a few music and some music and a few words. And uh, last year, for instance, I did a walk through my school the whole day and I took little video snippets. And at the end of the day, I put together what was called a uh, school in 60 seconds. And I just shared images from the very beginning of the buses picking up kids to the very end of when the buses left the school of just different things that had happened all day long in 60 second snippets. And it's a great way for you to be able to just encourage people that the work that they're doing is important and something you can share out with your community and parents too. The third thing is handwritten notes or cards. People never get tired of being told and encouraged in the work that they're doing, that what they're doing matters. And so um, one of the most powerful ways that you can do that is by simply taking time to sit down and write someone a note and be specific uh, in the things that you're saying to them. I remember the first year that I did that with a team of teachers in a new building that I had uh, joined and a teacher who had been in, the, in education for 20 years came to see me at the end of the day and said, uh, well, that's the first time in 20 years anyone's ever written me, a principal's ever written me a handwritten note telling me, thank you for the work I'm doing with kids. And she did fantastic work for us and needed to be told that she was. Number four, monthly awards. I think it's a powerful demonstration to highlight people on your team who are doing great things. And so every month you should at least be highlighting someone, giving them a certificate or an award or taking their picture, putting it out for others to see, to congratulate them on the great work that they're doing so that they're not in isolation. Number five, newsletter or website publicity. I can't emphasize enough how important it is that you're sharing the great things happening in your school with your community and with your parents and with your um, administration above you or with your school board members because those things that are happening in your school are powerful examples of why public education is so important for our communities and our schools. And number six, face-to-face. Often in 
my observations with teachers or my evaluations with them and follow up. I love those moments where I can look at someone in the eye and tell them specifically, thank you for the hard work that you did in that specific lesson that you just taught. Thank you for the way that you've been coming in before school and investing in your students, tutoring them. Thank you for that student who was in crisis that I know you met with last week during your plan to encourage specific ways that you can tell someone that the work that they're doing is important, is encouraging and shows appreciation. And then seven, one of my favorites, food, food, more food. I, there's just something magical, I think, about eating together. And so whether that's a staff breakfast or a staff lunch or bringing folks in in the summer to eat together and brainstorm ideas, food, food, and more food. I think that there's a powerful way to show appreciation for your teammates. And then finally, number eight is social media shares. You know, we have like free access to the world through Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram. And yes, sometimes those social media platforms can be used for evil because we have to deal with the demands that come with student conflicts or drama, but they can also be used for good. And so how can you share out the great things that are happening within your school? And one of the hashtags that a lot of Oklahoma educators use is hashtag OKLAED, O-K-L-A-E-D. And I love to check that hashtag on Twitter and see what are the great things happening today in the schools around our state because it's just encouraging and it's inspiring to see the things happening around you. So let's wrap this up. I want to just remind you this week as you are serving your students and in your schools that I, yes, you're going to manage lots of demands. And yes, you're going to be facing difficult moments with people that require all kinds of skills to de-escalate and find solutions. And yes, you're going to be dealing with situations where teachers need encouragement and they need appreciation. But those are important parts of the roles that we play as school leaders. Because when we set the example, when we're the role models in how to manage our time, deal with difficult scenarios, and consistently show appreciation for those around us, then we're also being a role model to our teachers of of the ways that we're wanting them to demonstrate that with their classrooms and with their kids and the other team members on our team as well, because we can't do this alone. Next time, we're going to be talking about how to deal with discipline with dignity, how to maintain meaning in the work that we do with our students and our teachers, and then how to maintain sanity during what I call crush times, because there's times within your school year, and October is one of them, where you're kind of in, under a lot of pressure. And so how do you maintain sanity during those really, really difficult times? And I'm going to give you some case studies next time we talk on some ways that I've done that in closing out certain times of the year. And so I hope these conversations have been valuable to you today. I appreciate all of you that have logged in uh, for this conversation. And I just want to invite you uh, to stay connected so that on October 17th, uh, we can log in back together. Also, just a quick shout out, if you have not um, registered for the October 25th OASSP Fall Conference, we're hosting uh, Jimmy Casas, who's a fantastic author and speaker and National Principal of the Year finalist, who's coming to talk to us at the Boathouse District here in Oklahoma City. Go to COSA's website and register today because space is limited. Uh, thanks again for logging in. And I'm going to, uh, at this time, officially end our conversation, but I'll be glad to hang around for any of you guys that want to have conversations. So thanks again for doing what matters. And I'll talk to you on October 17th. Principal Matters listeners, thank you for taking time to listen to this week's edited version of that webinar. You know, as I think about what I talked about at the beginning of this podcast, my grandparents were very serious gardeners. And one of the benefits 
of that was enjoying lots of great produce, green beans, tomatoes, cucumbers. And what we couldn't eat while it was fresh, my grandma would can or pickle for future use. And I can still picture my granddad eating an entire sliced tomato at the table with pimento cheese and crackers and all of this great food that he enjoyed in his older years did not happen by chance. It was the result of years of him learning, problem solving, developing his skills as a gardener and a farmer. This week as a school leader, remember that we are directly involved in the kind of environments where learning can take place. And so ultimately we do hold the responsibility for how well our schools are managing demands, dealing with difficulties and encouraging positive moments. But when we think we do this with perfection, we're fooling ourselves. So this week, I just want to encourage you to think about how you can share your tasks with your teammates, how you can navigate conversations by learning how to help people to get on the same page or at least understand one another better and how you can highlight the successes of what's happening in your building so that you're cultivating the best soil possible for the kinds of outcomes that you want to see in teachers and students. Because I believe that managing a school does require lots of care, concern, problem solving, and over time, you can enjoy the benefits of that produce. So now it's your turn. What are some tips or suggestions that you would add to managing demands or dealing with difficult conversations or celebrating successes. And think of one step you can take just today, just one thing that you can do to keep a positive momentum going with your teachers, your students, and your teams. That's it for this week. I hope that uh, this conversation has been helpful. If it has, please share it out with others. Let me encourage you to also uh, connect with me online. If you want to connect via Twitter, my handle is at WilliamDP or Instagram. It's at William underscore D underscore Parker. And I'm looking forward to talking to you again soon. Hope you have a fantastic week. And thanks again for doing what matters.